0: Hello and welcome to the back page of Video Games Podcast. I'm Samuel Roberts and I'm joined today by Matthew Castle. Hello! How's things with you, Matthew? How are you getting through these... um unending
1: lockdown days a question I think I asked almost exactly on the last two podcasts that we uh, had. <laughs> the only thing that keeps me going is that promise of 20 more minutes of WandaVision every week <laughs> I, I think you're gonna
0: say the promise of um, 60 more hours of Yakuza in every single Yakuza game um, because that's what you're doing <laughs> at the moment right you're burning through those. yeah I'm
1: still uh spoiler alert I'm still on Yakuza one <laughs>
0: nice okay yeah yeah, it's funny because I've been, I've mentioned that before. I've been playing Ghost of Tsushima, and um, I'm just coming up to the point where I've unlocked the last island, and I'm 57 hours in, and oh my it's like, God. yeah, I sort of I'm I I started this game in December and thought this will be the year I clear my backlog, and like it's almost March, so I think I've really just shat the bed on that one. But um...
1: yeah, I. I made this point before about living on the island you've unlocked. At this point, you've unlocked the majority of the island. You've got yeah. two-thirds of it is under your control. Really call it a day now. <laughs> yeah, the Khan can have, like, the top bit. It's, Let he's... the Khan have it. Let him have the third island. You've got the majority <laughs> of it. It's a win. That is a win. Yeah. Also, the
0: um, the combat is, um, it's um like, not that complicated. It's a bit more complicated than Assassin's Creed is, but, like... um, Now I've been doing it for so long that it's been getting quite repetitive, but in the last five hours I've unlocked um, the Ghost Stance, which basically means that if you kill five enemies without taking a single bit of damage, you do this move where the screen goes black and white and you can insta-kill three enemies in a row, and uh, that's pretty fucking cool. Um, There's a bit where you chop Uh, a dude's head off, that's
1: good. Oh, that sounds great. I never got that far. I got to the second
0: island and thought, nah. Again, you wanted a broker with the game. Look, you've got one island
1: now. Like, um, yeah. just get on, get on with your lives, and we'll move on. Um, well, I got to the second island, and then a load of bastards turned up on the first island, setting up a, a, a light to all the buildings I'd liberated. Yeah, and I was like, "What's all this about? Like, right. this doesn't seem fair."
0: Yeah. Oh man, open world games. What a trip, um, Matthew. <laughs> before we get into this week's uh, episode, I will. I'll explain what the episode is um, shortly. But um, it's. Uh, been a kind of week of like minor gaming revelations um i suppose like i was curious if you had any take on the big news of the week we like to keep this podcast timeless if we can because a lot of people discover them like after the fact when they've kind of listened to one they like and they go back and listen to the rest so we try not to be sort of too of the moment unless it's like super sort of relevant but here i thought it was reasonably interesting did you tune Mm -hmm. into the sony state of play this week did you um... i did yeah, did you get yes. excited about Crash Bandicoot 4 in 60 oh, I love- frames per second? I thought,
1: I thought it was funny. When you open with Crash, you know you're in trouble, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, that's... People were so hyped for it, you know? There was so much chat online about, like, oh, we're going to see God of War, or oh, they're going to announce some new games, or oh, we're going to see this, that, and the other. And then when you open with Crash, you're like, mm, something's, <laughs> something's wrong here. Yeah. So wrong. It's Yeah, I, I thought it was fine. It felt like kind of very much a rehash of like their last state of play like it was pretty much the same lineup right it was more like an update on remember those games from six months ago here's how they're doing and here's how they're looking
0: yeah it began and ended with uh games that you can already buy
1: and play on your ps4
0: which i thought was like bold but um yeah yeah i, I mean
1: saw- I, we have said on this podcast like that is one of the appeals of ps5 at the moment is just playing all the games you liked from the last gen but like very shiny with nice frame rates mm. so i'm glad they did that i know, i was hoping they were going to announce you know you know a load of first put more you know first party things you know they've just done god of war i'd quite like them to do uncharted 4 at 60 frames that'd be nice
0: oh yeah that'd be good and horizon as well that'd be nice yeah um, I think that ticks but, off most of the major ones. Bloodborne, of course, that's the one everyone wants. Really. Yeah, that's the one Yeah, everyone, everyone prays for.
1: Yeah, I thought this was fine. I thought Deathloop looked absolutely amazing mm. and pulled off the incredibly hard trick of uh, like a very good pastiche of a James Bond theme tune. I, I, re- <laughs> I actually really liked the song in the trailer. Um, I thought it sounded great and it, it really sounded of a kind of piece with those sort of older bond themes and people kind of parody that stuff a lot but it's actually quite hard to get right i think and it just i don't know that game kind of clicks for me a little bit more the more we see it Mm. yeah
0: it feels like they're sort of in the difficult position of we've made another immersive sim game with a bit more action and we want to sell this as a kind of fun action game and um they are sort of like doing their best to to kind of pull that off and i i respect that i think it looks really good but it it does look like it's got a lot it shares a lot of dna with dishonored right like um the movement the combat which um you know is no bad thing for me but has always traditionally seemed like a hard sell to a sort of mainstream audience
1: yeah definitely but i think the fact that i don't i sort of selfishly i'm glad that they're leaning into that more i'm glad that you know there's more obvious of dishonored powers in there that you know there's the kind of the blink and the the domino power and things like that are, are quite fun i mean I've, I've not, I was a little worried if it was just going to be standing alone as like an action game because I don't know, you know, from watching it my, my concern was always that the the gunplay didn't look particularly great, it looks a little floaty and you can never tell until you try these games for yourselves but just looking at the footage I was thinking ah, does this look quite right as a shooter so I'm glad that there is more to it. Also interestingly there was a little um, interview with um, the, is it the director the creative I was talking about like going into a bit more depth about how it worked, and was saying you're in this time loop but you're not against the timer it's not like you die you know which i i sort of assumed it would be for some reason i assumed hmm. it would be like a like a couple of hour loop or something but it seems that the messaging was you can take your time and you can kind of kind of you know feel this world out a bit which to me is like a very key ingredient of the dishonored games and i was worried that that might be missing from this Mm. so yeah it's i think it's gonna i think you're right i think it's gonna be a lot more dishonored than it maybe looks
0: (laughs) yeah and i think um fair play to them like being exclusive on ps5 i think will be good for them because people will be Mm. looking for things to play on that console and obviously so much is going to get pushed back this year so this will release in may in between um returnal and uh your favourite um, series, uh, Ratchet and Clank, um, Rift Apart, <laughs> um, which I know is obviously your most anticipated game of the year. but Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think just that kind of association will probably get people who wouldn't have uh, tried it before actually um, to pick up this kind of um, probably quite oddball sort of immersive semi-game. But, um, yeah, I thought it looked impressive too. What did you make of uh, some of the other stuff there, Matthew? Did you have any opinion on the Final Fantasy VII stuff they revealed?
1: Uh Yeah, I mean... <laughs> That, that one's odd, because it looks like they've added a sort of substantial amount, but I know that all the people who are really nuts for that game have all, have already played I don't know, I'd, I'd kind of be kicking myself a little bit if I had played it that recently, and to, to then think, well, this is all fine, but it won't be, like, you know, the majority of this I'll have played before. I don't really know. Like, as someone who has played it, are you pumped for the idea of replaying it? Well, I don't think I'd replay it, but I think it's cool that, like, if you... um had
0: missed it the first time or if you wanted to replay it the um the redo they've done on it looks like that spot on what we just talked about you know 60 fps upgrade looks really crisp um i think that yeah that's like that is like a nice thing to sort of enjoy you made the joke of course Matthew, about how you can now um retrieve 4k urchins um in the uh, game's <laughs> side quests which i enjoyed um i've th- also found it quite funny that on twitter people were kicking off about the name being daft, it's like Final Fantasy VII remake integrate, and yes, it is daft. But like, have you ever paid attention to a Square Enix game title? Like, um, going back to like Kingdom Hearts or like um, you know, bravely default, and sort of like they're just quite they're quite into these um, very silly game names. So um, yeah, and besides, in the week after like Project Triangle strategy, surely like um, the Final Fantasy yeah. VII one's less egregious. But uh, I don't know, but uh, yeah, yeah, nice a nice
1: upgrade. I yeah, it's it's it made me chuckle that they're giving it away as PS plus, but if you get the PS plus version, you don't get the PS five upgrade. <laughs>
0: yeah, that was so confusing. And also, um <laughs> they they also happened to be remaking Final Fantasy Seven again, um, on mobile, which uh, I thought was quite cool actually, but um people seem to have a problem with that as well. But I don't know, I thought it was it was all fine. If you like Final Fantasy Seven then, you know, you don't have to play it. I thought it looked good. But yeah. So, how about the other stuff, Matthew? Did Returnal take your interest at all? How how kind of into that sort of games vibe are you? Uh, this arcade shootery thing.
1: Yeah, I like again. I kind of have to sort of try it for myself. I think to sort of see how it feels. I'm, it's it's not quite my cup of tea. Like I, uh, you know, that sort of I don't even know really how to how to sort of place it. It looked a bit of. Um, it reminds me a bit of that. Um, what's that Capcom one with the person who jump around a lot? <laughs> uh <laughs> Person that used to jump around a it's lot. It's like a what? third person behind. It's got a weird name, PNo3. Oh right, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, for some reason, I always think of that whenever I see this sort of arcade over the shoulder thing. um Yeah, like how small a sort of studio that. Like, I sort of, I get that their stuff is really admired by people with like a real kind of arcade sensibility, but I don't necessarily share that sensibility. Like, yeah, it's not quite my cup of tea. But I'll definitely give it a go. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm interested to see how it does that. You know, I like kind of time loopy games. I do like games that try it and, and sort of take the the kind of roguelite, roguelike thing and do slightly more kind of poppy things with it. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm open for it being really, really good.
0: Yeah, I think the thing that sort of made my blood run slightly cold is remembering that that game is 70 quid. Um, and so that's like... It- so. Yeah, yeah, all um, all PS Five like first party games uh, of that scale, yeah, right. uh, I guess, are uh, seventy quid. And I thought, I don't know, I don't want to play. I don't want to spend seventy quid to play this. And I don't think about price that often with games, but um, that seventy pound price point does make me think twice a little bit.
1: Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, it's tough. I'd spend.
1: I yeah, like at a push, you'd go. You know, an ultra and shiny, amazing new Uncharted Five. Like I'd probably, even then, I'd slightly begrudgingly pass over my seventy quid as like a pure gatekeeping fee that I have to pay it to play this thing. But Mm. that's a big, that Mm. is a big ask. Yeah, I thought, yeah, for some reason in my head, I thought it was going to be like a thirty pound, twenty (laughs) five pound thing.
0: Yeah, no, that would have been spot on. But no, you go onto your PS Five, it's there on the store homepage, seventy quid. That's like wowzers. Yeah. Um, that's going to be um, yeah a point of contention this generation for sure. But um, yeah. Matthew, what else? Did, what else happened this week? So we had the um, Pokemon uh, Pokemon something or other Pokemon presents. I think it was live stream where they revealed a remake of Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. Um, two games that when they came out, I remember thinking, oh, this is nostalgic. It's the DS times, and I can play a Pokemon game. Um, and now those games are being remade uh, fourteen years later. Yeah, so they're remaking Diamond and Pearl as Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. And uh mm. did you have any thoughts on this? I mean we're we're not really Pokemon people, right? Like we talked about the idea of doing a Pokemon episode and we're just we don't think we're quite up to it.
1: No, I mean I've spoken before about, you know, we had to do Pokemon stuff in the mag, sort of not begrudgingly. Well, I did it begrudgingly. <laughs> <laughs> I had to I had to write a lot about Pokemon without really caring for it. Um it's always been a bit of a a hole in my sort of Nintendo fandom, probably the big hole. Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird because yeah, it's it's odd to see them remaking games which came out like when I was doing mags. You know, uh, we covered Diamond and Pearl in End Gamer. Uh, you know, I remember. So we're getting into the realms of we're going to start catching up with the remakes soon. You know, and it'll be like we're going to do remakes of the remakes. You know, is it going to be? your heart gold and your soul silver or whatever it was. Mm. Um, you know, are we going to start repeat? Is it just going to eat itself and carry on remaking itself forever?
0: <laughs> yes, is the answer to that. <laughs> yeah,
1: mm. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's stuff's fine. I think people already know whether they're going like, to like those things or not. I don't think they can do anything to those games to, to turn on people who, who aren't interested. I mean, it just is what it is, and it's massive, so why would you... What did you make of the, the new Pokémon? Yeah, so Pokemon Legends Arceus, or Arceus.
0: I, I, Pokemon fans, I'm sure, will be tearing their hair out hearing me say that and not knowing the difference. Um, my little brother has explained to me what this Pokemon is before. It's like the god Pokemon, right? And it's like, um, I don't know, in the kind of realm of Pokemon mythology, I suppose it sounds vaguely interesting. But to to me, from the outside looking in, it looked like the Pokemon version of Breath of the Wild. So it, it was the more interesting of the two things they revealed. What did you make of it? Uh,
1: Yeah, b- b- oh. i mean basically that vibe uh i thought it looked pretty shonky yeah a bit cheap bit cheap looking i thought but that's game that's game freak you know <laughs> that's you know through and through like i've I, you know their games have never been like visual wonders but they've always seemed to get a pass i mean i thought they they kind of plodded along with their old 2d look for so, for so long and when they did their first jump into pseudo 3d those games were ugly as hell. They were so ugly, and we and that was always the most egregious bit of covering them in the mags mm. is that it was always like, "Wow, this is such a jump forward," and I remember just thinking, "No, it's not. They look terrible." <laughs> um, <laughs> is that the 3ds uh,
0: ones you're talking about? There, like
1: excellent. That and, and that. I think they didn't they bring in a bit of pseudo 3D into the last DS one. I swear, black and white had. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Black like and white a town, which was City. like a like a. It was almost like a t- like a uh, two point five D like rotated on a plane kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, that's right. But they've never been they've never been a visual powerhouse, which I don't really understand because those games make more money than like anything in the world. You know, they have so much money to throw at them and and t- to add vacuous polish, which is basically what I'm asking for um, <laughs> for <laughs> like, a series I don't, I don't th- like. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> well i don't think it would i don't think it would like change the fundamental appeal of those games if they just actually look nice mm. um uh yeah i thought this i don't, i just i don't know i saw someone put the kind of character on a grassy sort of plateau side by side with link stepping out onto that cliff at the start of the breath of the wild and it was like the Pokemon one looked like a sort of pre for Breath of the World from like ten years before Breath of the World. <laughs> yeah. it's almost like a sketch you'd do on the you know, of like uh, something like this is what we want Breath of the World to eventually look like. Not five years after Breath of the World, here's where we're at. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a big believer that art design can can carry these things. You know, be, be you know, a Nintendo fan being a Nintendo fan has never been necessarily about like the raw visual heft of things Mm. but i always think that they're just taking their fans for a ride a bit i'd be like really i'd be really cross if something i loved kind of treated me with that much kind of contempt to release (laughs) something that looked as ropey as it does um but that's why i like other franchises not pokemon because i'm not a fool and will not be taken for one (laughs) game freak (laughs) brutal um i must admit though i do
0: sort of agree with you like i don't understand why I mean, if you compare Pokemon to any other major Nintendo series, like it does look, I uh, know, like uh, several steps, uh, it's several steps down in terms of visual quality. And you do think with all those, with all that money, you could hire like a load more artists and make these games look shinier. And I think the the problem is that this this seems like quite a bold departure in setting. It's set like um, you know, you're making the first Pokédex and exploring this um, this world with kind of like slightly more historical elements. And I just thought it looked quite boring. Um, and I thought the, the, nothing about the setting really captured my imagination. The idea is great. I think that's a great idea for a game um, to kind of like lean more into a sort of open world Pokemon experience. But yeah, just, yeah, I agree with you. Just looked, I don't know why it looks so cheap. It seems just bizarre when I think Sword and Shield were like the best selling entries in like a
1: decade or a decade plus. Like, it's... yeah, I mean, I guess the fans get what they ask. You know, if if you're going to buy games, which... Do look the way they look, and you're going to give them a pass. Then why, why, why bother? Why bother improving things? I do feel like maybe the 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 sort of tide is turning a little bit. Like the the Pokemon chat that reaches me these days, and I don't go looking for it. In fact, I've muted a lot of terms on on Twitter, so I'd never hear about it. <laughs> um, is that uh, like I see a lot more like dissent and annoyance from fans about certain decisions like anything i hear about pokemon tends to be a bit more negative these days mm. um but i don't know if that's just because i've done such a good job of you know sticking the positive pokemon discourse in in like a limbo a twitter limbo so it might be that
0: but yeah. yeah i'm sort of um more curious about some of the um pokemon indies that are coming out like um my pal, um, Jay Bayless is uh, working on uh, Cassette Beast, which is like, um, he was, um, the artist on, um, Wargroove at, uh, Chucklefish. Oh, really cool. nice looking game. So capturing that kind of Nintendo sort of aesthetic, but, you know, kind of contemporising it a little bit, a bit of an indie spin and, yeah.
1: Yeah, and those that 1010, seemed to get quite a bit of love when it came out. Mm,
0: yeah. I think there's some more kind of like monochrome Game Boy looking ones too. So, yeah, maybe it'll be like, um, you know, Metroidvanias in a few years and we'll just be awash with them. But, um... Yeah, that was the uh, contemporary games chat I wanted to do, Matthew, before we got into today's episode. So this one then, it's been on the cards for a little while, but basically the premise of it is the trial of Samuel Roberts. Um, I have been uh, buying, hoarding games on eBay for like several years now. And it's like a habit I've sort of slipped into, particularly during the pandemic, because you can't really go to a pub or do anything at the moment. So you might might as well just spend your money on complete horseshit. And I know a lot of people are sort of doing this. I don't buy like loads of really elaborate expensive stuff, but I do buy a lot of like what the fuck kind of purchases. And I thought it might be fun to run through like a whole bunch of those in a row, Matthew. And then you kind of deliver your verdict on... Whether I go to some kind of like games prison at the end of it or not, um, yeah,
1: yeah, basically it's as well thought out as that games prison. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're going to go to game. Yeah, I, I should make it known that I like I don't know what a lot of these games are because I know that you buy a lot of games, but you also talk about it in quite vague terms, which does suggest that they are of <laughs> dubious quality or of, of baffling kind of intent. Mm. You know, so I'm, I am intrigued to see what this this ancient games collection kind of looks like
0: yeah and to be clear this is like definitely a kind of a like a lighter episode like um off the back of best games of 2007 like um a three-hour episode we wanted to just sort of you yeah. know do like a slightly shorter leaner one and i've been looking for a way to audit my shitty purchases for content for some time um and here we are so there's that but also matthew in our first section we're going to answer like a reader question that sort of like ties into this quite nicely and talk about games mm. buying habits so yeah we've just uh, we talked for a little while there so why don't we take a short break we'll come back and uh, we're going to talk a bit about uh, games ownership and uh, the idea of a kind of pile of shame as it were
1: yeah let's do it
0: Matthew so the listener question that we had to kick off this conversation was from William Lobley on Twitter. We were already thought of this idea a little while ago to put me on trial for my shitty game purchasers, but this tied in quite yeah. nicely. So we thought we'd talk a bit about sort of game ownership. So, um, hey, chaps, love the podcast. Quick question. You frequently mention how long to beat, and I'd be interested to hear each of your Steam collection totals. Not only a bit of a laugh, but might make me feel better about my own backlog. Thanks. Um, so, Matthew... Do you have your sort of Steam library totals at hand, and is it that relevant? Because like you're not you're kind of a more recent PC gaming convert, right? Um, is that yeah, fair
1: to say? Yeah. So yeah, I wasn't. I really wasn't doing much PC gaming before I started working on Rock Paper Shotgun. So yeah, it's pretty patchy. By total, do we just mean the total number of games we own on Steam? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. My total is uh, three hundred and
0: twenty-four. Okay. My total is one thousand and one. yeah so i feel like i should qualify that a little bit by saying that um obviously i worked on pc gamer for um, six years so a long time Uh, in that time obviously you get sent a lot of games for um, coverage and stuff like that um some of the stuff in here is like because of the way steam doesn't really categorize things properly i've got armor 2 in here and armor 3 like about 10 times each because (laughs) either because they're expansions or they got different like servers or whatever it might be um that's because um on pc gamer we did quite a fun um armor olympics feature so the um bohemia the developer sent us like all of the expansions so we could play it um so it kind of stacks up but um i definitely have some bad hoarding habits in here uh what about you
1: what's your sort of what's the overall sort of vibe of your steam collection matthew i i think it's okay actually like where it maybe gets a little weird is we did a segment on Rock, Paper, Shotgun, the YouTube channel uh, called Reviews Roulette, um, where we basically just... Any Steam codes that got sent to the Rock, Paper, Shotgun kind of general account and didn't make it to the main site, like hadn't been claimed for like proper write-ups or reviews, we just played them sort of sight unseen uh, on... on um, on the youtube channel in a little video and we played like 10 minutes and then just decided on the spot whether we'd want to play more of it or not and that was like the review um hmm. it was quite popular except i always used to feel terrible because i remember thinking these people who'd spent all this hard work making these <laughs> games but then here's this absolute shithead saying like well, i'm only gonna play five minutes of it and make a judgment um <laughs> which is like basically everyone's worst idea of what i game squad journalist is like <laughs> so i feel like i set the cause back several years um with that one but i did it for lols so mm, yeah you know i did it for the lols yeah that's it that'll be on your
0: gravestone matthew um yeah i sort of um it's funny actually your thing about being sensitive towards um developers because i i have that now too and i cut a load of stuff out of the um 2007 episode where I was dunking on PlayStation Home, like I called it a piece of shit, and I felt so bad afterwards because I thought (laughs) I played this for about three hours. I have no idea who made this, and like if I heard this, how would I feel? And I would feel terrible. So I I deleted it because I felt bad. Um, so I totally feel you on that. Yeah, exactly. You got
1: got that. You got that power.
0: (laughs) Well, there you go. Again, I'm just trying to keep the you know, just trying to like fight the cause, man. It's uh, it's tough out there. Um. so yeah I, I was curious matthew about what your relationship with games buying is generally um because i sort of like i'm definitely like leaning more towards being a sort of hoarder type i've tried to keep it leaner in recent years because um i don't own property so when i move house um it's a fucking nightmare so you don't mm. want to necessarily have like uh 45 ps2 games following year around every time you move house so I'm a bit yeah. more um, careful with that, but what
1: about you? What are your sort of like game buying habits like generally? Uh, I mean, they're they're, pro- they're they're massively skewed because of the career I've had, and I you know I, I will preface this by saying I've been very very lucky mm. to work on you know Nintendo mags where I got most of my Nintendo games. Uh, you know, we either had kind of communal copies I could borrow to play or download codes which I claimed. Um, it's it's slightly very fragmented because of that. Oh, one of the annoying things because of, like, Nintendo's lack of, you know, shared profiles or profiles that you could easily transfer between machines. You know, I've amassed over the years several, like... A 3DS, which has got, like, three games I like. Another 3DS, which has got, like, <laughs> ten games I like. You know, uh, an American Wii U, which has got this on it. Uh, two UK <laughs> Wii U's, which have got that and that on it. So, it, like, it's a bit of a nightmare. It's mainly digital, all over the place. I have to turn everything on and plug everything in to find anything. Aww. So my Nintendo collection is basically a massive bust at this point. Um I'd say the games that I own the most of are probably 360 games because I didn't get them for free because you know, I had to buy them because I was on Nintendo Mags at the time. Mm. I didn't have a, a PS3 until late. I've, I do have a PS3 now, but I think I own Uncharted 2 and 3 and that's it, pretty much. Wow. So, <laughs> Last of Us as well. <laughs> yeah, No Love for Heavy Rain um, or Beyond from Matthew Castle. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I've got quite a good 360 collection. I... For a lot of them I don't know if this is terrible I, I've only got the discs I throw away the boxes I I just don't want the I don't want game boxes all over my house I'd much rather have books now I'm, I've, I've, I've got loads of books and my book collection is growing faster than any other collection I used to be a DVD fiend um, in my teen years and early 20s but that's turned into books now and I just think it's classier to hide the games and put the books out I want people to come in and think oh he's a bookish fellow rather than what are all these 6 out of 10 360 movie licensed games. Well, that's yeah. not really the vibe I want to give
0: out. Yeah, you would rather have Japanese crime fiction than uh, 50 Cent Blood on the Sand, is what you're saying.
1: In, yeah, uh... that's, the th- that's the thing. You know, There's a big difference when someone comes into your living room and they're like, "Oh, uh, Dickens anthology, and if they come in and think, what's Blazing Angels? yeah um, <laughs> So that's the kind of distinction I'm trying to make. I'd much rather the former reaction.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that said, Matthew, if I walked into your house and I wanted to find a DVD box set from 2006, let's say I wanted (laughs) to watch, like, Nip Tuck Season 3, I feel like I'd
1: I'd probably find that in your living room shelves somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, basically, I, I... I feel like my living room is also the back end of most movie streaming services. <laughs> if, if like, all the things that came to star recently on Disney, and everyone was like, oh, wow, all this stuff. I haven't seen this for years. And you're like, I mean, that is just what my living room is. So, you know, alias, last whatever. Yeah, I mean, a very particular window of, like like, 1999 to maybe 2008. I got you covered. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah um you do also have a lot of switch games but i was wondering do those belong to katherine because you've got like a massive yeah. like switch collection in the like of those shelves in the top right hand corner of your sort of living room
1: yeah katherine's Ka- a more got a more traditional game collection she does have yeah she she keeps the boxes and things um i'd say like 90 percent of my games are digital codes from like reviewing things and and whatnot um the few boxes i've yeah I'd say the few boxes I do have are, are things that I've specifically had to buy because I couldn't get. You know, I couldn't convince anyone to let me do it. as freelance, so for, <laughs> <laughs> rather cynically, most of my like the things I go after freelance the stuff. I I, I don't want to buy. <laughs> Amazing, uh, oh. which is terrible. It's terrible. So if anyone gets like an email from me sniffing around, that is very much the motivating factor.
0: Well, I don't know. It's more like, um, I suppose it's good in a way because you're genuinely interested in playing the game. So you, um, you by reviewing it, uh, have an actual curiosity about that thing. So uh, I'm probably working yeah. too hard to defend you there, Matthew. And uh, I, <laughs> I, should, I should simply be calling you out. Um, but um, yeah, so for me, it's quite different. I did actually have a massive clear out when I moved from Bournemouth to Bath in 2013. I got rid of a lot of 360 games. Either just, uh, most cases, they're all like... Um, they've all got these labels on the front that say, like, promo copies, not for resale, because obviously I got them through work, so they actually just have to go in the bin. Yeah, like, I've got quite a lot of those still kicking around. Like, um, I, I tend to hold on to the ones where I think, well... People will probably never port these to other systems, like um, uh, Syndicate by Starbreeze, or like Shadows <laughs> of the Damned, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, or where like the 360 version is like the best one, or um, yeah, or or, or it's a, a fucking really weird game, like 007 Bloodstone, where I just seem to still right. have it for some reason. But yeah, I sort of, um, I must admit, I've gotten slightly more into like games collecting in the last few years. Like, not in the sense of i will buy every single game on a format which um retro gamers editor darren jones would do um and right. it was like it was quite a thing to behold but also like he owned a house so it's a very different sort of story um that house must be stacked with games yeah it is it's um yeah i imagine it's like a, a very valuable uh, I, w- I, I won't say where he lives in case like robert's <laughs> not casing the joint but um yeah <laughs> But yeah, I think doing this podcast as well has naturally made me a bit more interested in like a, a, that particular period of time. So I was sort of focused on collecting like kind of GameCube games and then also like DS games and PS3 games a little bit. And I think that actually interest in those formats is going up because some key games I've been trying to get hold of. I've seen the prices rise in real time. Um, so, oh, right. Yeah, so, so some, some of your favorites as well, actually, including like Ghost Trick, for example, um, a game that... I almost got for about twenty-five quid, like three or four years ago, and now sell can sell for like up to a hundred pounds plus a, a copy really? of that.
1: Really,
0: yeah. Yeah, and um, Akami Den—that's another one, the sequel to Akami. Oh my gosh, I should sell my
1: copy of a Ghost Trick in Akami Den.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, if you ever need to like put your kids through um, university or whatever, then um, you know that's an option. Yeah, yeah, I think it's—I um, think that's probably a natural result of like our generation having disposable income and being like, well, I'll just—I'll um, just hoard this stuff that I wanted when I was uh, a bit younger or whatever, but. It's not really healthy. As we we'll get as we get to like my list of games, you'll understand that sometimes it just results in poor decision making.
1: I had a, I, I had a, a funny thing with with um, eBay in that years ago when they did Borderlands Two, I think it was Two K made these Borderlands Two Top Trumps as like a. I don't think they were a promotional giveaway. Like they were maybe part of like the press pack. But they were, like, Mm. formally done. They were made with Top Trumps. And I remember at the time thinking, one day, you know, Top Trumps are, like, a very collectible thing. And I thought, these are ultra-rare. Like, they're literally not sold. These Borderlands Top Trumps are going to be worth loads. And I can't remember how it came about, but, like, we, I think we were on O&M at the time. So not even, you know, we weren't even covering Borderlands 2. But I ended up with an envelope of, of about... Twenty packs of Borderlands Two top trumps, right. and I—I I genuinely convinced myself that they that this was like basically like owning like Amazon shares in like 1992. Bitcoin, you know, you were there with Bitcoin at the start, you know. Yeah, and this was it. You know, those stories of the people who lose their hard drive and, and they're like, "This hard drive was worth two million now in Bitcoin, <laughs> and if only I could find it." Yeah. I thought this bag of. Borderlands 2 Top Trumps is going to be worth, like, a hundred grand in, like, ten years. So I had to take them with me through all these office moves, and every single time I was moving offices, I'd get to a point where I found the Borderlands 2 top trumps i check in on them and they they weren't like they weren't worth anything on ebay and i was like well maybe it'll kind of check it and just after after a while i remember just eventually getting to the point of just like ah oh, screw it i just can't be bothered i think i left them in like the future games cage when i left OXM or something so maybe they're there as like like hidden gold someone will dig it up and it'll be worth a fortune
0: well like in the walls of key house they'll find uh borderlands yeah. top trumps I'm going to like yeah. I'm going to look in real time actually like what they um what they cost on eBay to see if the price has gone up for them cuz I Oh, they're selling for about like um, twelve pounds each, so not that
1: much. Oh my to be god! Honest. Oh, I should get them back. That's like two hundred. <laughs> I've got two hundred quid's worth. I've got so many. I'd drive the price down. That's the problem. <laughs> I'd flood them. I'd flood the market with Borderlands Two
0: top trumps. Uh, I remember these being all over the Imagine office as well. Like they were just—I think they were like on like top of a kind of games cabinet for about like I don't know, probably five years. Just yeah. To- <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, just completely unloved. Um, quite a nice idea for a promotional item though but uh yeah that's uh, uh another another great uh great matthew castle story of woe there but um <laughs> yeah so you don't have that sentimental attachment to sort of physical games that matthew do you think that's like instilled in you from just being on endgamer or um M, where like your your game ownership's a bit fragmented like you say
1: yeah i'd say definitely like the 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 leap i have to make the amount of work i'd have to do to have like a a valuable collection of anything it's just it'd be like starting from scratch so there's there's no point i do get occasional pangs of like envy i guess when i see people post pictures of like maybe older stuff not really the era i was covering but you know just older stuff because game art you know game box art was like more interesting or nicer you know like when people have like interesting old they're collecting like Japanese sort of Famicom games or something and those boxes just have a lot more kind of character to them Mm. because then it's like oh that's a nice like visual thing that's just a nice thing to have rather than like the value of having the game yeah yeah but like the problem with like Wii games is the box you know I I can't really see people collecting Wii games in that, in that way, because they're so sterile. You know, the boxes are just very kind of, like, clean and very Wii. So I don't know if, like, in 30 years it will have quite the same appeal. Yeah, I think you might be right. And um, there's a few Wii games in
0: my um, my selection coming up, actually. That um, And uh, I noticed that basically demand for Wii games is, like, tiny. Like, um, there are a few select ones from Nintendo that uh, sell for a decent amount, but otherwise, yeah, that market doesn't seem to exist for it. Possibly because mm. the um, yeah it just wasn't uh, it's not a Nintendo console that diehards really kind of value. But um, GameCube, on the other hand, uh, if you've got a copy of uh, Bayton or Bayton Catos, Kat- oh good lord, you, uh, you're you're going to be rich, my friend. Um, really, I think Catherine does. Oh, well, there you go. That stuff like that does well. Like um, that Pokemon 3D game they did, Pokemon XD: Gale of Darkness. That's another one that sells like mega amounts. I sometimes read these like pointless articles that are like these are the most valuable GameCube games or whatever. Um, right and um paper mario the thousand year Door. that's another one that sells for like loads of money oh
1: my yeah. god i've definitely got oh no i see i think i threw all my boxes away i've only got them discs <laughs> well that's good
0: because that is a game you genuinely love right so you'd want to hold on to that one um yeah yeah uh, okay well there you go um you you can ponder that matthew but um how much do you sort of spend on games a month at the moment do you um is it all kind of tied to the job for you or do you um do you still buy stuff
1: yeah, I, I, I mean, so cynically, like I, I only buy what I haven't been able to get my hands on through work, really. Mm. Um, so not that often, you know. I probably buy like one full price game every couple of months, but is that terrible? I play a lot of Game Pass as well. I should say, mm. you know that. I, you know that, and I play stuff from like you know PS Plus or whatever. I've been using that PlayStation Library to fill in a few gaps yeah one of the major advantages of not having a games collection is that actually things like uh subscription libraries they just don't have any sort of um stigma attached to them you know it's just fine you know they're they're most of my games are digital, so I don't care. I don't care about actually having them on the shelf, mm-hmm. which makes those services a lot more attractive. Because I see a lot of people, when they, if they have an argument against those services, it's because oh, I want all my games, I want them all on the shelf. But if you don't feel that way, the new age is actually pretty sweet.
0: Yeah, I think um I actually don't really mind the whole ownership part of it. Um I think I'm more into owning Nintendo Switch games than I am owning like PS four games or PS five games. Um mm. I think that might be partly due to the presentation. I have one of those really nice little um Hori cases that contains all my um Switch uh, kind of like cartridges or whatever they are, little um little cards. Yeah. Um that looks nice. I had the same for the DS as well. So that makes like um collecting those a bit uh, have a bit more appeal but um no i think game pass like i played doom eternal on game pass i don't need a copy of that on my shelf it's fine i played it i moved on with my life it's all good i think um <laughs> if you're coming into games now as well i do wonder if um the idea of something like game pass or ps plus will fundamentally change your perception of like whether it's worth buying games or not like um does a you know we talk about we just talked about Returnal being 70 quid and um if you're paying like i don't know um you know 12 pound a month for game pass ultimate and you get this massive library on pc and xbox like um by comparison i don't know like um you can see why um you can see why game pass is so enticing and over time i feel like as microsoft you know throws billions at just like getting these game developers to make stuff exclusively for their platform like um that service is just going to keep growing in value much as her netflix's
1: library of originals now make that a very valuable service you know I'm into it. I dig it. Sorry, that's not a very eloquent point. <laughs> the idea of coming into games like completely new now is, is like, wild. Like, mm. just how accessible and how amazing that would be. Because even B-tier stuff, if it's new, it's still exciting to you. You know, if I got... If, if, if like, a PlayStation 5 was your first ever games machine, you say you're, like, I don't know, 12 or something, and somehow you, you this is your first thing, and you get it with that subscription, that'd be wild. Same with the Xbox Game Pass. I mean, it's it's... There's a crazy good amount of stuff on there. I and mean, when I go through a list, I'm always absolutely amazed and think, wow, just what a thing. Like, I had, you know, I think I consider myself a hardcore N64 fan. We maybe owned 12 N64 games, mm. like, through the whole console life. Yeah. So it's it's just, a I don't know, totally
0: different age. Yeah, that's um that was everyone's relationship with the N64, I think. Like, um, everyone had 12 games, and, like, 10 of them would be the same as other people's. And then, like... Yeah one you might have one dodgy
1: wrestling game um <laughs> <laughs> yeah ours alice, alice it was it was like the same as everyone else except we also had beecher adventure racing uh and the Zena warrior princess fighting game <laughs> <laughs> amazing
0: oh yeah oh was it a better age uh only you at home can decide um matthew <laughs> we'll take a short break then and then we'll get into the list of my um egregious purchases
1: let's do it i'll put on my judges robes Bullshit commence.
0: <laughs> Matthew, <laughs> welcome to Games Court. Wow, look uh, the, who's look who's on the uh the, the, the list of jurors. We've got Wario, um, we've got Tails from the Sonic Games, um, yeah. we've got um uh, that lady from um, Puzzle Quest. Uh, there's a lot of people here. We've got one yeah, of the blocks from Tetris. Here. Yeah.
1: Um, why, the square. Listen. Why are you welcoming me to Games Court when you're on trial? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, actually. Why don't you welcome me? To I games love the court? idea of a court where like, the, the murder suspect is like, "Welcome, Judge." <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> the why judge it, why is it... like, "Oh, I don't know what. Don't really know how to deal with this." It's quite <laughs> um, a power play. <laughs> I suppose I was kind of
0: picturing it like the Felix Wright version of law where the judge is, like, slightly baffled and bewildered
1: at all times, but then um, mm. other people are just sort of hijacking it. But- oh, yeah. You do you do have the witnesses who, like, just take total control of the situation. So you're, you're going to be one of those troublesome witnesses, are you? <laughs> um, uh, po- possibly, yeah. I might
0: just, like... Um, like that guy in um the second phoenix right i'll have my little like wrist phone
1: out and start calling someone halfway through um (laughs) well i i look forward to breaking you and seeing your hair explode into like a thousand different angles (laughs) yeah and then i start swishing a
0: glass of wine around when you know that i'm evil and uh guilty yeah Yeah, so matthew i suppose like you should welcome me to games court then um so why why am i here what's gonna happen you know uh
1: samuel roberts you are here in Games Court. You stand accused of wasting your money, I guess, on bad pre owned games that you've bought online. And uh, this is the, the court of good taste. Uh, you will be judged by one of your peers, me. And uh, yeah, basically, I'm going to decide whether or not your games collection was worth it or not. And, I, you know, hopefully we'll get into the psychology of a twisted criminal. Or. Uh, game collecting genius we'll, yeah. we'll find out um, basically I'm going to decide whether each of your purchases was good or bad people may be wondering what power I have to decide this uh, it's just I guess invested in me by the, the court <laughs> I, I guess yeah. Uh, and yeah we'll add them up at the end and see if it, you're more good than bad and if uh, if it was bad uh, you're going to be executed Wow, Wow! executed. Okay, that's... Well, it's the Ace Attorney system, where it's all, like, really fun and lots of comedy, but the threat <laughs> of, like, death hangs over the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd like to
0: suggest, first of all, that if this is a good taste court, the judge has a conflict of interest, because he once owned the Xena the Warrior Fighting
1: Princess <laughs> uh, beat-em-up game, so... Um, yeah, yeah but, I, but I owned more good games. The other 11 Nintendo N64 games were better than that, Yeah, so... It bounced out and I was found I was found not guilty by <laughs> by one of my peers. Yeah. I see, yeah. Okay, the, the
0: system works. Um yeah. I'm prepared to go along with that. Um yeah, I'm I'm perfectly aware this is a very frivolous idea for a podcast episode <laughs> before we get into it. Like I don't think this is like the peak of insightful content by any means. I just thought it might be quite fun.
1: Um Is that my opening I don't know statement? Where the I guess we factor into it. <laughs> Uh, We're painting this picture where like like we've got Warrow out of bed for whatever reason and now he's not really gonna play a part in it, but Yeah. Um yeah, like I say,
0: the square from uh, Tetris is here in like a suit, um and like <laughs> uh, to kind of like watch and you know, comment on the situation. Yeah, what I should have done is hired Miles Edgeworth to defend me actually. That might have been good. Ooh. But, um, yeah, it's too late now. It depends. Like, yeah. this is this is also already at risk of turning into, like, a Phoenix Wright kind of fan fiction scenario. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So what's um, going to happen there, Matthew? I've got 18 games here. Um, yeah. Well, the first one is actually two games combined, but they're linked. Um, so I will go through them. And then, as you say, you will decide whether I'm
1: guilty or not. I will tell you the price of each purchase as well. Um, yeah, that'll, that'll factor into it because there's, you know, if you've really if you've if you've bought something foolish um that will count against you
0: yeah i think actually on the price front i've actually like um i've done it reasonably well and i don't think like um i've got that much to like worry about um or like apologize for mm, maybe a couple but um yeah okay let's uh, let's kick off then matthew so exhibit a first two games combined so we have yakuza kiwami 2 uh, that was twelve ninety nine and Yakuza 6, £10. I bought those on February 22nd, um, 2020, uh, right before the pandemic kicked off. So this is like a year's worth of my foolish purchases, by the way. Um, yeah, so the justification here, like you, I thought, well, I'm going to play all the Yakuza games at some point. Um, still haven't done that, still on Zero, Um, But I thought it'd be good to have them uh, at some point, and then they
1: all got added to Game Pass, making this purchase completely irrelevant. Yeah. Um, you see, this is the thing, I mean... You couldn't have known they were going to be added to Game Pass, Mm. but uh, it's a a tricky one. This because I I, I haven't, I haven't played, I haven't got to two or six yet in my in my playthrough uh, because I'm as as mentioned earlier, I'm only on one, Um, (laughs) so I've got a bit of bit of time to go yet. I mean, this is this is tricky because the idea of buying into this series that makes sense. They're very popular. They're 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 good games, widely Mm. held to be good games. I'd say that's they're quite new games to buy pre-owned like yeah online yeah but i'd say like it's that's... not it's not like they're, they're they're it's not like they're hard to find or no. they've run the risk of going it like vanishing
0: no I, I you know i got them as well because they were cheap i thought 12.99 for kiwami 2 and 10 pounds for yakuza 6 you know pretty recent games that's not that bad um so, yeah, I think um, that was the thought process, really. I would, I, I really would like to have played all the um, Yakuza games at some point. Um, there are so many of them, and they're all so long. But we're planning yeah. a Yakuza episode down the line as well, so um, I can sort of partially argue that it's uh, it's for that. But, um, yeah, overall then, Matthew, do you think they're like... Do you, th- you kind of sound a bit on the fence about these two.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you bought them now, you, that would be mad, because they're on Game Pass, but you bought them before Game Pass, so that doesn't factor into it. Good intentions, good games. I think these are a good purchase. Oh, thank God. Like uh
0: yeah, you just sort of bang the hammer and then everyone starts talking in the courtroom. Yeah, uh, like like
1: na, 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 right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's true. Maybe you should also just shout uh oh no, you're the judge, you wouldn't shout objection. Um we need another person for that. <laughs> Maybe we'll bring Catherine on at some point, um, to be Felix Wright. Um anyway, yeah.
1: So It's off to a good start. You're you, currently I'll, I'll let you in on something. Currently, and not being executed. Oh, fuck. This is uh, exciting stuff. Um, man, <laughs> yeah. maybe I'll make it out of this alive. We'll see. Um, they counted as one, not two purchases.
0: Yeah, I think it does, because they were the same day at the same time. So, um, okay. yeah, that's fine. Okay, so Exhibit C then, Matthew, is um, the last story on Wii. This was £43, the most expensive of all the games I bought Ooh. here, because um, it's quite rare now. Um, it's like harder to get hold of. Uh, and it's... Um, uh, this i bought on the 12th of may 2020 so we we're quite deep into the pandemic at that point and um yeah. i couldn't go to the pub so i thought i'll just buy like a, a wii rpg i probably won't get around to playing um but i would quite have you time. played it yet nope i have not um it's still on the shelf uh but i have good intentions you know like um if i can find a way to sort of clone myself then um i'll get my younger self to play this game and have
1: opinions on it um but, um, okay, we're gonna have to get we're gonna have to get in a uh, expert witness here to tell us whether cloning technology is currently at that point. Yeah, um, who is so Don't know that it is. Who would that be in um, Phoenix Wright? Would it just be like a some
0: fucking like clown who's a pervert or something, and he's actually like a, <laughs> yeah. he's actually like a genealogy expert? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, again, Matthew, like the the sort of defense I would use here is that the last story is a game that like um, brought you and your wife together um originally so isn't why you bought it
1: I'm hoping that'd be weird that'd be really weird
0: wouldn't it that's uh (laughs) well that would suggest that like this whole podcast is an attempt for like me to sort of stalk you and um (laughs) learn more about your personal life no I didn't I think um I sort of um I looked at this and also uh I think actually you know what might have prompted this was um when they released a Xenoblade Chronicles Remaster, and I thought, oh, yeah, this is one of those, like, um, was it Operation Rainfall RPGs that came to Wii? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I looked at this, and um, Pandora's Tower I looked at, and I th- that looked too shit to play these days. But yeah, the last yeah, story, yeah. I thought, the last story, it wasn't very long on how long to be, I thought, I, um, I, would, I would probably play this at some point. The next time I plug in my Wii U, um, I will play this. But, um, yeah, what do you make of it?
1: Yeah, I mean, like you say it is the game responsible for my marriage uh, so that's that's good that works in its favor mm-hmm. um, that's a big tick um i think i actually think this i think this is a sound purchase this isn't a game that's going to like live on again anywhere else i'd be very very surprised if this ever resurfaced i just don't think it was popular enough but it is good it's an interesting game um, it's an interesting artifact as it's like you know, probably one of the, the least known or probably the the least played Sakaguchi sort of JRPGs. Mm. Um so that me I think it, it ticks a lot of boxes. It's an important game in that sense. It is a good game. I think you will enjoy playing it. It's got some interesting ideas in it. I think this is a good purchase. Wow, okay,
0: cool. So a two for two. I mean um you know, I don't get too excited yet for those hoping that I don't get executed. Um we got a <laughs> we've got a long way to go um so matthew <laughs> next up uh exhibit d uh zone of the Enders, the second runner on ps4 i bought this for £5.95 on the 1st of august 2020 um so as people who um listened to last week's episode might remember this was the game i reviewed that got me my first staff writer job on um, play magazine in the uk so um back in 2007 so um i have a you know a sentimental attachment to this game it's a uh kojima produced game i don't think he did anything else on it though uh like a mech combat game very good re-released on ps4 with a vr element i have no idea how that could possibly work without making someone vomit because this game moves so so quickly um but yeah i thought 5.95 that is a good price um i will play this at some point and it's a really it's a really nice looking ps2 game that probably stands test the test of time on um ps4 so that's mm. my defense matthew um what do you make of this one i mean yeah, but you could have bought you could have bought it digitally, right?
1: Uh, yeah, but um, I don't think I could have bought it this cheaply digitally. Mm. <laughs> and it feels a bit it feels a bit wrong to to like mark this one down when it has a nostalgic connection. But you know, letting the last story through because it has a nostalgic connection for me. Yeah, if um, that seems it? that would be a bit unfair if I judged my emotional history to be more important than yours. Yeah, I
0: mean it would be funny if you said, well, this game didn't introduce me to my wife. So
1: <laughs> <Yeah. I mean, laughs> Wait, well, actually, it. that's a, that's that's a very good point. Um I don't know, like an HD remake or something i mean... probably be a more interesting purchase if you'd bought the original. Well, but you can't um, but you can't buy that one on um, on PS4. They only remastered this one. No, no, I meant meant you bought the copy of Zone of Avengers 2 on ps2 mm. well you see i own that but in my
0: parents house like many miles away
1: um uh i think you already own a copy of this game and i think this is a bad purchase
0: oh shit oh man i walked <laughs> into that one um okay yeah.
1: ba- bad I, okay like it's not like a egr- it's not like egregious because the price is quite low but i think i think but this is a bad this is a bad pointless purchase <laughs> okay the hammer bangs <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right exhibit e oof this is um this one's definitely gonna be close to execution so we have star wars masters of Terrace carsi on ps1 a um star wars fighting game um i paid eight pound 95 for this on the 31st of august 2020 deep into uh into um the pandemic there um some retro uh pandemic vibes um yeah well this was never good no, this was not good. Um, this one I bought because um, in my um, it was just something I always like coveted as a kid who didn't have a PS one. And I thought, well, I'm an adult now; I can just buy this game on eBay. And um, if it's shit, the stakes are very low. That was before I knew that I could be executed for such a thing. Of course. Um, yeah. <laughs>
1: um, you see, eBay should add that as a disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. are you sure you want to buy this? You could be. This could be used against you in game court at a later point. <laughs> yeah, um, it's actually just occurred to me as we've been
0: recording this that this like this whole thing, this whole idea, is basically like a back page joke that we turned into a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, which is sort of appropriate. But um, yeah, fighting game where uh, <laughs> you can put Luke Skywalker up against like Boba Fett and Luke Skywalker can lose. Yeah, quite a cheap, a cheapish fighting game. Like I don't think I don't make any sort of real defense for this one. It was just a kind of curiosity purchase
1: yeah uh i I think that curiosity would have been sated if you'd just um like watched a video on YouTube. I think this is a bad purchase, yep, okay, fair enough, it's just... a bad game i don't I don't really go in for like ironic purchases or anything like that, like a bad game is a bad game, I don't care like no okay, Jesus, well, that's um yeah. uh, the
0: hammer bangs, oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, on to the next one um so exhibit f matthew um r-type delta on ps1 uh side-scrolling shooter it's uh, seven pounds 16 i bought this on the 6th of september 2020 again like um i think a lot of these cost about the same as like a fancy beer does from um independent right. spirit my local beer shop and i stopped drinking like last our first sponsorship <laughs> No, they didn't pay. I'll. I maybe I should cut that out in case like it seems like they uh, they
1: did. Um, no, but no, that, no, it's it's fine. I think we should go to them and I'll shake them down for money now. Though. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. By the way, um, when
0: are you going to pay us for this uh, sponsorship? And just play the <laughs> podcast in front of them. And uh, yeah, um, yeah. So r type Delta. This is the first one on our list, Matthew, that I have actually played. Um, so I do like this Ooh. game. I did, I do think it's good. Like it's um it's one that my um as a young a young boy, my cousin had a chipped uh, PS one and he owned this game. Um, really nice looking 2D um shooter like built with 3D graphics i think one of the nicest looking games on ps1 um and yeah it's uh, even though it's rock hard uh, i i did enjoy playing it for the like 2 hours or so that i played it last year so
1: um please factor that into a decision as you determined um you know determine what happens so that, next. that that really works in your favor that you played it
0: mm. that's
1: you know it shows that it did have genuine worth um, i must say i'm not hugely familiar with it i'm not very good on me on me uh, r-types um yeah I, I listen i'm just gonna trust you on this one and say that this was a good purchase oh thank god for that jesus christ um the stakes have never been lower um <laughs> <laughs> okay uh so exhibit g i wanted to say after the star wars one was considered bad a very badly rendered chewbacca <laughs> stormed out of the court in uh, <laughs> in uh, disagreement <laughs>
0: yeah (laughs) he
1: left he left he left the jury box i think it was chewbacca it could have been a hand solo we just don't know based on the
0: graphics (laughs) oh amazing all right um exhibit g um this this one's going to be interesting because this could go either way so um it's mad world on the wii this was three pound 94 i bought this on the 6th of october 2020 um yeah, so Mad World was one of the um, games that Platinum made with Sega when they were first founded, and uh, I assume Mad World, that Mad World was um, of some significance to uh, you in your end-gamer days, Matthew, because it was one of the sort of hardcore Wii games that were around. Um, do you remember much mm-hmm. about this one?
1: Yeah, yeah, we were incredibly excited to see, like, awesome people making something that looked awesome. Um Actually, it looked quite bad on the page, Bad World. Like I liked it in motion. It never looked fantastic when he took screenshots of it. It was quite hard to make this game look brilliant on the page. I thought mm-hmm. um, black and white, kind of like um, black and white, but the blood was red, kind of like um, yeah, yeah. Um, inter- yeah, I, I think I actually think this is a this is a good purchase. You know, mm. um, like platinum. You know, you're you're a fan of Platinum. The idea of kind of owning their kind of work, they're 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 a they're an interesting sort of studio whose work I could foresee people wanting a full collection of. Hmm. Mad World's an interesting one. That's quite cheap for for what is still quite a good playable game. Like you'll have fun with it. Hmm. Um, my problem with Mad World is like it was never like it was good. It was fun. And it was sort of funny and, and and like but but it was never never quite delivered the kind of the full the full package so actually this this makes more sense i think as a pre-owned game than it would have had as a new purchase so i think this is okay
0: yeah i would have bought this if it was more than 10 pounds like um this this came yeah. from an intense period of like me just seeing which we which of the good wii games do i not have and should i try and pick them up um because no one really yeah, cares this about
1: is, the games. this is definitely an interesting wii game and interesting is like the backbone of of most pre-owned games collections, I would say.
0: Yeah, so um, it was never quite like Bayonetta in terms of like its critical reception no, as well. No. Um but But um, yeah, that was um sort of similar. That was like part of the, the thinking actually, because I do also own um, Infinite Space, a game that I know that you um you're like one of the only oh, people. Oh, I world love who've...
1: Infinite Space. Yeah, yeah.
0: So you know, uh, Platinum they yeah, they made some cool stuff when they first launched. Did they...
1: you buy Infinite Space pre-owned?
0: Uh. Yes but not this year I've owned infinite space for about ten years now actually um All yeah right. um, I've played it see, but that would have been, been an easy
1: good purchase but
0: <laughs> alas, that's another one that I think is actually incredibly hard to find on um on uh eBay. yeah 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 so um yeah I think um that's a
1: cult classic absolutely yeah i c- uh, i could I, c- I called that when it was new <laughs> <laughs> You were like, yeah. "This is going to be a cult classic." No one will buy this, but um,
0: good lord, uh, yeah, yeah, um, yep. Yeah, so, yeah, mad. Well, then, Matthew, that's um, that's worked that's in my a favor. Good one. Okay, good. I think this next one's going to be an easy sell as well. So, Exhibit H. Is um has uh is Chewbacca come back into the courtroom or is he just is he gone? No, he's still cross. Okay, fair enough. Um, but the um the square from Tetris had to take a call from his wife. Um, so <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Um, slight recess there. Um, so Exhibit H is uh, Ghost Squad on the Wii. Now I oh. bought this on the sixth of October, twenty twenty. So this is long before our two thousand and seven podcast where it came up in your top ten.
1: Yeah, listen, if you've listened to our two thousand and seven podcast. You'll know where I stand on Ghost Squad. It was one of the best games of 2007. It's one of the underrated Wii games. It's a great light gun shooter. Um, since that podcast has come out, I've seen a person of good taste, Ashley Day, um, agreeing that Ghost Squad is excellent. Also, Simon Miller, the Ghost Squad kind of crew is growing by the minute (laughs) you you Uh, you don't call them the ghost squad squad that seems like a missed opportunity to me oh well i'm I'm not that sharp on on, in the morning hours when we record (laughs) this podcast um but you are welcome to join the crew the squad the whatever um as an owner of this game this is a good game this is a good purchase yeah two pound 50 delivered to my house at that point
0: how is it even i mean
1: that's I mean that doesn't feel right, does it?
0: yeah, I mean, how is that even like worth it for the people selling it? you know, like it's sort of i would rather yeah. you wouldn't if someone paid me two pound fifty to go to the post office, I wouldn't do it. you know what I mean, like never mind, like send them a game um
1: that wouldn't get you a quarter of a chicken sheesh wrap <laughs> from the kebab house in Bath that I use on sometimes on delivery. That you will play Ghost Squad for a lot longer than it would take you to eat a quarter of a chicken cheese wrap, and it would, um, yeah, it would have less um, wreak less havoc
0: on your intestines as well, I would guess. Um. Well, yeah,
1: and it won't <laughs> let your hands smell of garlic as much. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <Good> <laughs> unless unless something's gone very wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah so um yeah that was there 250 that was well worth it um I wanted, oh yeah for sure yeah so that is one i've not played yet but i definitely will play um in fact like uh, i have actually plugged in my wii since we um had our mario conversation with Catherine. so it's on the cards um next up though, found the
1: plug you found the empty plug sockets did you uh
0: yeah i just had to uh uh i just had to unplug about like five different more essential devices in order to um to make it happen to uh, a facilita- support machine <laughs> yeah in order to facilitate an unsuccessful console from nintendo that was um
1: very sorry gramps so i wanted to play ghost squad uh ironically which you have now joined uh, <laughs> i love this idea that like i um i'm recording this
0: podcast with my my grandpa who's on a life support machine in the same room <laughs> as me <laughs> that's so fucking dark matthew <laughs> oh. <laughs> Man, your lockdown must have been raw. It's been a tough year, what can I say? Um, you know, I and I told my grandpa, look, uh grandpa, like um buying Masters of Terrace car seat, it might be the only thing that makes you better. And he was like, oh, <laughs> Do what you have to Um Yeah, but uh yeah. Okay, exhibit either Matthew. Um the Grand Theft Auto triple pack on the original Xbox, this was ten pounds. I bought it on the twenty third of October uh, 2020 um which i can't remember if this was when we were in lockdown again who knows last year was basically a one big lockdown but um yeah so this was uh the original gta games I've got, i feel very strongly that gta needs the original radio stations in order to be the games they were and all of the newer versions of vice city um and san andreas strip out some of the music and i I don't love that and I've still got um, an Xbox 360 which can play all of these games backwards compatible and while I'm not right. sure when I will ever play them um, San Andreas is the most likely one to play because I never finished that one um, this is why I bought these so I could play GTA as they originally were with all the radio stations intact um, on my HDTV um, what do you make of it?
1: I mean I was going to say you, no, the fact that you can still play them I mean that's a pretty good argument for owning them you mm. know, the music thing, I I I guess I of I had the, an awareness of that in the back of my head. But that's quite a big... Yeah, that would be quite a deal-breaker. So the idea that you're, you know, this is a pre-owned purchase as uh, preservation, that's it. Yeah. I mean, you can't really argue with that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, God, I was hoping these games were all going to be really bad, unwise choices. But I actually think this is sound also...
0: Yeah so in this
1: case like you know I I wouldn't write a wanky op-ed about this
0: right but like um, when they took uh, 1979 by the Smashing Pumpkins out of GTA 4 in my head I was like oh I have a really strong memory of like associating the game with that song and I get that Rockstar probably paid like a 10-year license to have the song and at some point they're legally obliged to take it out but I've been playing it on the 360 so it, it it can't be patched and i can't have that song removed which sounds extreme but like it's actually quite important to me to preserve like the experience as it was because the music wouldn't they wouldn't rockstar would have paid so much for the music in the first place if they didn't think it was fundamentally important to the sense of place in those games so this is something i feel weirdly strongly about i know that sounds quite arbitrary but um it's 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 important mm. to me and i i do love the gta games so that was my thinking matthew um
1: but listen that that's that's good enough for this judge. I think <laughs> this is
0: a good purchase. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, so uh, yeah, Tommy Versetti in the courtroom just uh, like did a, like a little kind of like a little cheer. He went just sort of went fuck yeah. Well, that's
1: for all you know, I had to say this was good or their thugs were going to rough me up.
0: Yeah, exactly. They'll beat you to death with dildos because that's what happens in GTA Vice City. Um probably. Um <laughs> anyway, so Exhibit J Matthew. It's um Time Splitters 2 on the GameCube. I bought this for 12 pound 95 on the 9th of november 2020 um first person shooter from free radical probably considered the best in the series or at least it's the one that people remember the most do you have any take on time splitters as a series
1: uh unfortunately for you i hate time splitters
0: okay what's your what's your sort of reasoning there
1: uh, i just don 't like the feel of it. I think it feels like you 're shooting like weird nerf bullets at things. I think it is a fundamentally unsatisfying thing to play mm. um, i 've never understood it. I know people love it, and I know it 's probably like one of the later split screen shooter games that people obsessed over. Yeah. Um, I just do not get time splitters i 've bought several time splitters games because they got you know 90s or whatever in the magazines I read, and i 've never got it. I just do not like the feel of it. Mm. Um, yeah, and just to say you know, oh, it's a monkey. Oh, Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, you know. I sort of. Well, uh, <laughs> oh, that's such a but, uh, but that's such an unpopular view. It seems terrible to mark this up as a bad game just because of my terrible judge bias. Well, but...
0: no, I think I I know what you mean about the shooting. I don't like I don't dislike it, but. Yeah, I sort of see what you mean. Like the maybe it's something just about how like bullets sound and feel, but it does feel like you're sort of like whomping people with bullets rather than like hitting them. I, I I kind of get what you mean in a kind of weird way. It
1: just, uh, and it just I kind of it always felt kind of quite stripped. Even though, like the campaign, which I know you know, again has it has its fans, just felt like well, I don't, I don't, almost too arcadey. Like too sort of soft and arcadey. Uh, lots of things just running at you, like waves of enemies. I don't know. I it, mm. I feel like I need to add something to the bad list just for the state, if, just for there to be some drama in this court.
0: Well, you're definitely about <laughs> to get one after this, so um, yeah, don't worry
1: about it. Um, you know what? Listen, I'm going to add Time Splitters to the bad purchases just because I don't like it. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And I feel like. There, are, I feel like it's a readily available game in in pre. It's not like a rare, like Ooh, oh, oh my God, watch out! There might not be any time splitters too. Um, <laughs> like I've got a copy of it that you know I'd happily give you. Well, there you go. <laughs> you,
0: you could just say like you should have asked me for a
1: copy. Uh, you should th- have asked me for a copy of this of this bad game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, b- bangs gavel. Yeah, I know people on Twitter will be like, eh, time split is good, but. You know i don't
0: know I, I, this is another one i have actually played on the list um obviously i've played it before on ps2 back yeah. in the day but um i do think that the campaign is quite flawed in this like the changes in setting i think even though it's an interesting conceit that you go to all these different time frames the mission types aren't that interesting and if people really rack their brains i, I think they'll struggle to come up with any mission from this campaign that's like classic in the way that a golden eye level was classic or a perfect yeah. dark level was, you know.
1: Like can anyone name a map from Splitters 2? Well, I can do... anyone name? Hmm? I do remember the multiplayer maps quite well actually. I think some oh, of those God, are like
0: man, man. so some of those, I don't remember the names, but I remember like I remember the layout of them, and I remember them... I thought they were, it was a really good split-screen shooter. That is part of why I bought it, so um, when the mm. pandemic ends and I can have friends over, I can I can play this game in split-screen if I if I, I mean,
1: wish. well, that to me feels like a future threat. As a friend of yours, <laughs> I don't want to play this in split-screen, so I'm going to say this is bad. Are you saying you're not going to come over and in
0: front of my dying grandpa play Time <laughs> 2? <laughs> who's, um, you know, who's... Who's having of the worse time since I plugged in the Wii U and unplugged his life support machine. Is that what you're saying <laughs> yeah. to me, Matthew? Yeah.
1: I uh, mean, if I was your grandpa, I wouldn't want to, like, be in a world where people are playing time split <laughs> So. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, the next one's going to be a lot more uh, straightforward. So, Exhibit K. True Crime, Streets of LA on the GameCube. Um, oh, one pound 12th of November 2020. <laughs> um £1. <pound. laughs> <laughs> yeah one pound yep this is less than the price of like i think it's about the price of a greg steak bake these days um yeah
1: so Tree crime streets of la a gta you'd literally have you'd have more fun putting a greg steak bake in your game cube i think <laughs> <laughs> so did you play this back
0: in the day like a gta clone that had max payne kind of like um elements um actually i think had better combat than gta did at the time but um yeah. Otherwise, was set in um, quite a rough open world and was totally a very odd game and felt a bit unfinished. Did you play this?
1: Uh, yeah. So I think I rented this from Blockbuster. Oh, perfect rental game. That's what it's for—a rental. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. So I remember reading a lot about this and and thinking like, this is going to be this is GTA on the GameCube. This is what you know. This is the the missing piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. We're never going to get GTA, so this will be great. And I think the magazines were sort of selling it like that. I imagine there would have been some cover lines, which is like. This is like Nintendo meets GTA or something. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I would have done if I was been asked about that. <laughs> um, meets Uncharted. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'd say this is GTA meets Sonic Boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a game which isn't going to exist for fifteen years. Um, yeah, this this was bad. Okay. Yeah, that's um, this we- is like bit. This is this is a game that's built to sound cool to teenage boys. But it's just, it's just, the whole thing's ropey. Yeah, okay, so
0: yeah, it was a real kind of, like, minor nostalgia purchase. Um, who knows, I might have been hungover that day. But
1: Did it have wrappers
0: in it? Uh, I think Snoop Dogg was an unlockable character. Um, yeah. If you went around its massive open world and collected, like, 20 of these different collectibles, um, which I didn't do.
1: 20 bongs. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, um, and this was right around the time that, like... Um, uh starskin hutch came out so i don't know um you know snoop dog was like a fun novelty figure i guess but uh mm. yeah okay we'll move on from that one then matthew because that's yeah, that's bad yeah. that's more
1: like it that's what this court wants a
0: bit of drama okay good um there's a bit more to come so uh get excited so next up we've got lord of the rings the third age on gamecube i mentioned before that i bought this i paid um forty-nine for this on the 14th of november 2020 I bought it because someone on the GameFAQs forum said it was a bit like Final Fantasy X. And to be fair, so did some other reviews. They said it was quite derivative, but I thought a Lord of the Rings sort of JRPG sounded kind of interesting. Um, I bought it. I haven't played it. You'll take, Matthew, as the court?
1: I mean, so this is a game, I just don't remember this game at all.
0: Yeah, I think it's like one of the last um, EA licensed Lord of the Rings games. Um, which, they were actually some of, the be- some of the better games based on licenses that they made around this time. But, um, yeah,
1: they were okay. Like, the movie adaptations were okay. They mm. were like quite flashy, quite shiny looking. Yeah, um, it's a bit hard to say. Like, oh, I'm just going to put this in the bin because I don't remember it. Seems a bit arbitrary. Um, but then, like, this whole thing is a shab. So you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> this is not a real course. No wonder Chewbacca stormed out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: Aragorn just shaking his head in like the front row. Ugh.
1: <laughs> uh I, but you haven't played it
0: no it's um again like the the big obstacle here is plugging in the gamecube um you know it's sort of it, it takes up the slot that is occupied by the xbox 360 so it's tough
1: uh i mean i haven't got amazingly good reason for it other than trying to kind of create a, a sort of frizzle on of drama so i'm gonna say it's bad <laughs> Yep, fair enough. Okay, so And it's just like it's just you've you've basically bought a game on a bit of hearsay that it's like something else, but not not to the point where you've actually tried it to see if it was like that. (laughs) So yeah, it seems it seems like a very wasteful purchase to me. Fair enough. Also we're getting um this point we're
0: getting very close to like Black Friday last year, and that is a very stressful period where I can't always account for my actions, so <laughs> that and True Crime Streets of LA were kind of caught in the maelstrom. We've,
1: we've heard we've heard this defence in this court before, <laughs> and it, it just doesn't hold up. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, all right. So, uh, Exhibit
0: M. Actually, how am I doing so far, Matthew? What's the kind of score? Well, I don't, don't want to. Sp- I'm just going to tell you it's tight. Okay. All right. Um, this one's not going to work in my favor either. I don't think so. Oh,
1: good. Exhibit M. I, I wish I wish suspects were like that in court, where they're, <laughs> they they're about to say something. They're like, "Listen, the thing I'm about to tell you is going to make me look like a murderer." <laughs> <laughs> oh. And they're like, oh, "Okay." It's like, don't don't put too much weight on this next bit because this is the bit where I seem worst. <laughs> yeah, but there, there's going to be some stuff later where I seem better, and <laughs> so just bear that in mind yeah ignore the um the bloody candlestick and um, it's like oh no it's just the bit with a knife all right yeah (laughs) you're not gonna like
0: this (laughs) yeah pay more attention to this picture of me and my kids on holiday in cornwall um yeah right so i don't think this will work in my favor exhibit m uh the sly cooper trilogy on ps3 12 pound 80 on the 17th of december on 20, uh,
1: 2020 so oh dear oh dear this is a bit like turning up at court <laughs> and your crime is murdering the judge's daughter
0: <laughs> yes it's exactly the same um <laughs> yeah so this is i did i did have the first Sly Cooper game on um uh ps2 it was really good looked really nice well was it really good it was it was like eight out of ten good for the time um sort of like a stealth kind of platformer. I think I bought this because I just bought Ghost of Shima, and I was like, oh, yeah, what else was it they made that I liked? And um, I enjoyed the infamous game. So bought this on a whim. I think I paid slightly too much for it. If it was under 10 quid, I think it might be more justifiable. But also, uh, this judge has a notorious grudge against um, a certain generation of uh, PS2 mascot platformer, um, (laughs) which I can't imagine is going to work in my favour, Matthew.
1: I mean... Let's not beat around the bush with this one. This this is uh, you're basically. Well, I was going to say you're supporting the you're supporting the career of a wronger, and you're not. Cause at least you bought it pre-owned, so no money goes into sucker punch's pocket and encourages them. So it, it's not a harmful purchase in that sense. Mm. Um, it's not like buying it new, which would that is a serious <laughs> Um Yeah. Oh, well, it's just so. It's just. I'm willing to accept this is one of the more interesting PS2 mascot games Mm. in that it's got like that bit of that sort of stealthy vibe you know it's it's not it's not just terrible platforming it's got a bit more going on but
0: yeah I don't know I thought I I think I think this was a good series it had an audience for sure um like yeah
1: but you can say that about all the others as well
0: yeah that's true I mean of the others like I'm sure we'll do a podcast about bad um these kind of like this generation of like um platforming icon icon (laughs) inverted commas down the line yeah Um, Nintendo wannabes yeah so um I think that um the first Jack and Daxter game is very good actually I think that's got really nice movement and a nice world to explore but almost none of the other ones I'd really defend like I'm not the biggest Crash Bandicoot fan um in fact I haven't even oh yeah I don't I don't really love Crash Bandicoot but Sly Cooper yeah I thought the first one was pretty good like it was right off the back of Metal Gear Solid being big and suddenly stealth games were everywhere and yeah, it was quite a cool little um stealth game. I, I won't I, I argue that like a raccoon that steals stuff is like an amazing idea for a character, but um yeah. Mm. Well what is the cool thing? I think? don't
1: know. I just think I think I've got a certain amount of cred to live up to and like <sighs> You can't be seen to be lenient. Not really. I can't you know, I've got to be seen to be tough on certain crimes. <laughs> yeah. Like I've got a reputation and I just like this is borderline but i'm i think it has to go on the bad pile yeah okay yeah yeah um just because but you know you will br- like if if anything if i was you i just wouldn't have brought this one into the conversation like this is your fault yeah but i wanted to be honest because i think that creates some more <laughs> yeah. interesting kind of like um
0: podcast well the people at home can decide that they might yeah. turn off by now i don't know. but
1: your honesty may may have uh, may have sent you to the chair i'm afraid yeah well a livid crash but bandicoot. i guess we'll find out in a in a few games time
0: Yeah, exactly. A livid crash bandicoot at the back of the courtroom just um, threw his trousers um, at the judge um, in a rage. uh, He he would have done that anyway because he's a deviant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. So Exhibit N, Matthew, is uh, a game you mentioned earlier on this podcast. PN03 on the GameCube. Um, £10, I uh, bought this on the nineteenth of December, twenty twenty, and uh, it was quite cheap for a copy of this game, which is a little bit collectible, I think, um, because it had
1: some kind of mud um, on the box. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, oh dear! You were doing so well. <laughs> this was so compelling until we got to the <laughs> it had mud on it. Well, I didn't know that when I bought it, um, but yeah, it just seemed to be just seemed to be a bit
0: muddy. I don't know why. Um, yeah. So you bought a muddied copy of P and Well, the disc is fine. It's just the box. The box looks like it's caked
1: in a little bit of mud. Yeah. I mean, you are asking a lot of the judge here. I feel. <laughs> yeah. Like, like that wasn't a di- again. I I applaud your honesty, but that it feels that you're you cha- you're almost challenging me. You're like daring me to try and put this on the good pile with, with the mud. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah. I've created like an interesting. It's the idea quandary. of like
1: buying someone else's filth. <laughs> it's just, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I sort of, um, I, I sort of, I make no apology for the mud, but um, ten pounds is a good price for this game. And yeah, I, I mean, I did buy it after I watched that um, uh, Shinji Mikami documentary on Archipel as well. I was kind of like, well, and this is the one of uh, one game of his I've never played, so I thought I'll pick it up. I,
1: I think a bit like The Last Story and a bit like Mad World. This is like an important piece of the puzzle for for several. Uh, interesting strands of, of development. Um, the mm. kind of the Capcom Five was it the Capcom Five? I believe they were called. Yep, only four One came Game out. On the GameCube, Mikami, the Connection. I mean, it, it it fits your mo. It fits your interests. I am going to be a kind judge. I'm going to ignore the mud Oof. that you brought into this court. Yeah, um, <laughs> and I'm going to add this to the good pile.
0: Okay, well.
1: Um this is
0: like the most certain like um kind of like crime of mine. Um
1: that even after I bought Again, it Again, I love it when the suspect <laughs> tells me that. Yeah. Um yeah, so these <laughs> this are This my... is the video footage of me shooting them in the head. <laughs> <laughs> this is the this is the thing. When you see it, you're not gonna be able to unsee me as a criminal. <laughs> it's a bit of that, yeah. So let me establish context, right? This was the week they
0: announced um Bethesda announces making uh, an Indiana Jones game um, with machine games. Um, And I thought on a whim, on a lunchtime, I would buy Indiana Jones and the Staff of Kings on the Wii for £4.45. And uh, this was January 13th, 2021. So the thought process here, Matthew, this game does contain um, a copy of um, The Fate of Atlantis, the um, very well-regarded PC um, point-and-click game. Um, so that was the primary reason I bought it. That's the reason I bought the Wii version as opposed to like the PSP version or whatever. Um, but I know that the main game here is a piece of shit.
1: So, um, what's your take, Judge? I may actually surprise you <gasps> and say that I think this is an interesting Wii game. Wow. I think this is not a. D- I think this is not necessary. It's not a good game. I wouldn't say it's a terrible game. I think it's actually got some okay stuff in it. It's an interesting game because it, it was the... It's largely held to be the, the Indiana Jones game they were making for 360, kind of salvaged for Wii, I believe.
0: Yeah, that's right. The, um, like, San Francisco-based kind of like... Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, It's got one absolutely 100% broken bit of motion controls in the game, <laughs> um, which I really hated. But i actually don't think this is horrible for for four pounds Mm. fate of atlantis is one of my favorite games um so that's okay that get that that that's you know buying it just for that's fine i you know what i actually think this i think this is good (gasps) wow that's
0: a shocker um and it wasn't covered in mud this one um that's important to say but
1: um yeah, so Han Solo from the fighting game has turned into Indiana Jones and is celebrating. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's still poorly rendered. Um, <laughs> but he's still horribly, horribly rendered, and he can't control his arms because he's got bad motion controls. So he's just like pinwheeling all over the shop. Yeah, I'm having to get. I'm having to get the guards to like hold him down. <laughs>
0: yeah so um yeah that was the thinking here i will i will actually play this one because i i also noticed that um xbox live um gold games with gold they gave away the um emperor's tomb the other uh xbox original xbox indiana jones game so yeah i'm sure you like me had a little bit of an appetite for indie content yeah i thought
1: yeah this is like an, an underplayed not totally horrible has a couple of interesting ideas quite a cinematic conclusion
0: wow okay there you go well that just makes me want to play it more. So uh, it was worth unplugging my grandfather's life support machine after all.
1: <laughs> yes. Um,
0: okay, so we're nearly there, Matthew. Exhibit P, The Legend of Zelda Phantom Hourglass. That was £12.98 on February 15th, 2021. So the reasoning here is fairly obvious. Um, I thought I owned this. I mentioned on the podcast, I thought I had this in a box of games, but I actually didn't own this one. I just owned Spirit Tracks. Um, so I I went and bought it because... Um, i liked all the stuff you said about it and it's funny because after you told me that this was um like an underrated kind of zelda uh experience like loads of people put this quite low in their list of the best zelda games um and i wondered how Mm. you felt about that
1: judge i mean it is probably low in the grand scheme of things but that's still like that's like low in a list of classics Mm. so you know i agreed with lots of what people said um This is good. This is good. This is a this is a good DS Zelda game. Um, Hmm. I actually preferred it and Spirit Tracks to A Link Between Worlds, which a lot of people overrated in their Zelda lists. Um, I I I will say, but that's that's a point for a a Zelda podcast down the line. I think yes. Um, I no Phantom Hourglass. I stand by it. A great DS game, Uh, like a blockbuster DS experience. You will definitely get your money's worth out of it and have a good time um this is a good purchase okay fair enough yeah i um
0: i thought that was a pretty good price because again like um ds games are starting to creep up on uh on ebay i think more and more people are yeah. hoarding these so yeah okay so three more matthew exhibit q gta chinatown wars on ds seven pound 95 so this is a, i had a copy of this i think i gave it to another imagined journalist when i was still at the company many years ago and i i remember playing this and like enjoying some of the different mini games in it, like lock picking and stuff like that and mastering the drug economy we mentioned this on a podcast too and that's mo- motivated a lot of these purchases um so yeah i thought pick this up and i thought seven pound 95 is a very good price um for chinatown wars uh, a kind of curio but um, according to metacritic the highest rated ds game of all time which is um, seems a bit high to me, but um, yeah, what do you make of yeah. this one, Matthew? Uh,
1: I I really really like this game. Um, I felt like again at a time where quite late in the day, qu- quite a lot of people were making budget things and just trying to cash in on DS. I think I think Rockstar, you know, didn't want to let their side down. You know, they I think they've got a certain kind of commitment to quality, and I thought they delivered quite a full full decent experience with this um this is yeah I, th- I think this this was a great gta on 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 um on ds um kind of reverting to the kind of top down style of the older games it's probably my favorite version of that um it's the best uh, yeah, version of
0: that for sure yeah
1: yeah this is a uh, yeah this 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 is a good game seven pounds i thought it'd be harder to get than that um a good purchase yeah who knows maybe this podcast will send the aftermarket for these games
0: fucking soaring um and it'll be impossible to uh, get hold of
1: i, I should know as i say all that i i nervously look across at tommy vasetti and give him like a little nod just to make sure i'm not going to get beaten up outside again
0: <laughs> yeah okay yeah fair enough um yeah this uh this judge is under a lot of pressure so a
1: uh, huge amount of pressure yeah so
0: two more matthew the, these are bang up to date these happened the last like three days so we've um we've made oh it through like, a whole year of purchases so this is another one motivated by the podcast um therefore i think this this is an unimpeachable choice but it's um zach and wiki the quest for Barbaros' treasure i thought um matthew uh, castle putting this on his top 10 list of um 2007 will send the value of it skyrocketing so get <laughs> get in on the ground
1: floor i say wait a second that's insider trading <laughs> yeah um uh, so, now i have to send you to actual financial court yeah this one was only five pound 21 delivered and i thought oh my god yeah that's i'm so amazed by that i thought it would be like you know hard to come by
0: yeah but no it's this is um weirdly yeah weirdly easy to get hold of so yeah, I um, I thought that was a great price for uh, something that you um, That's a, a
1: great price for a game. I I talked at length in last last week's 2007 list about what why I like this game. Zach and Wiki, it's a good game.
0: There you go. So good
1: puzzle game, interesting Wii game, interesting Wii controls. Kind of a a bit of a sort of dead end. Like they didn't do anything more with it. It will probably never come back in any form. Mm. Uh, Zach and Wiki, thumbs up.
0: Well, there you go. This judge—you uh, might notice this judge goes lenient on more Nintendo-oriented games. Um,
1: well, <laughs> providing it's not you're telling the judge, judge, I bought a load of stuff off your recommendation <laughs> last week. Yeah, <laughs> and then the judge's is hardly going to be like that shit. <laughs> yeah, how fucking dare you, sir? Um, yeah. So uh, this um,
0: this last one though has nothing to do with that, uh, and it's quite okay. an odd it's quite an odd choice. And I'm looking at thinking, I hope this is good because it hasn't actually arrived yet. As I say this, but. Um, <laughs> It's uh, Tony Hawk's American Skateland on DS. Um, I paid £11.95 for this. It's one of the highest rated games on Metacritic on DS. A 3D um, sort of like Tony Hawk experience. People said it was actually legit. And um, I'm kind of like, I'm sort of getting back into the um, DS, 3DS mindset a bit of late um, because we've got an upcoming um, best 3DS games episode that we're going to do and uh yeah so um i've i've been sort of playing it a bit more again this one i admit is a bit of a frivolous purchase i have no idea if it's good or not um and the price might have been high for what it is but what does the judge make of this
1: this is a weird one because the the thing i pictured in my head i'm just looking up to see what what i hmm. you know i'm actually i've got to put my hands up and say i haven't played this one yeah um my memories of Tony Hawk in Nintendo from Endgamer Gamer were bad because it was all a little bit downhill jam, and then there was this terrible DS game where it it came with like this colourful like painting platforming game. It was like two games in one. One was Tony Hawk, and one was this painting thing. It was really weird, which I thought this was that. And I was like, "What the hell?" Um, yeah, okay. Well, Vicarious Visions—they're pretty good. I, I this is one of the best rated games on ds
0: yeah i mean look on metacritic it's like really high up it got like weirdly high scores and i'd never heard of it and i looked up the screenshots and i thought it looked pretty good for a ds game as well the 3d
1: um well listen i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna have to put my hands up and say like you know i can't really put this on a bad pile because i feel like i should probably also buy this game pre-owned <laughs> to play it to see so i have an opinion of it because uh, it's currently slipping through my my DS knowledge cracks mm. in a rather embarrassing way. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I I can only say that it's it's a good purchase. It sounds like an you know, on paper it's an interesting DS game. Mm. If it's that highly acclaimed Tony Hawk, you know, the last of the good Tony Hawk games, maybe.
0: Yeah, or well, certainly from that era, because like you say, this was around the time that. Um, guitar hero sort of started to like uh poison the water a bit and um led to all these activision games having like peripheral elements or being like more yeah. more quote-unquote casual so um yeah
1: i mean well, that's w- i mean uh, if anything this is quite an apt end because it's like the big dramatic upset like the judge just doesn't know what to make of it mm. yeah you can always sit so he just has he just has to she just, just has to trust in the quality of of the the suspect
0: yeah well, there you go um i mean yeah, like um, Chewbacca in the audience, just roaring, you know, just like hands in the <laughs> air. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, it's a it's a weird one, but it was an informed purchase. I looked it up and I thought, wow, the people, uh, critics actually like this one. I'd never heard of it, but yeah, a DS Tony Hawk game that wasn't that kind of isometric thing that was in some of the older ones that looked terrible. Um, an yeah. actual 3D Tony Hawk game on the DS, so might be shit. We'll see, you know, we're going into that that wild kind of like, um, yeah.
1: The, I mean, it's it's quite early DS, so maybe people were just going doolally yeah. and excited about DS.
0: Yeah, might be a bit overexcited. But um, yeah, that was it, um, Judge. You have all of my, um, all of the evidence in front of you now. Um, only you can decide. Uh, so, uh,
1: how many games in total again? I just want to make sure my numbers are right.
0: Um, so there were, it's like 19 games in total because the first two were bundled into one. Yeah. So it should be 18 like exhibits, as it were. What have you got? Yeah. Uh, You're going to tell me you got 12, and I'll be like, "Ah, oh, fuck, I must have really messed this up.
1: No, 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 that's that's all right. Well, you, Samuel Roberts, you stand accused of wasting your time and money, well, mainly your money, on buying these games. How will I be executed, by the way, if
0: I'm found guilty? What
1: is the execution? Uh, uh, I mean, unfortunately, it's not really a comedy answer. It's just lethal injection. <laughs> okay, it, will, will it at least be
0: like, I don't know, uh, sort of like um, Rosalina from Mario doing it, or something like that, or some kind of game theme. Uh,
1: well, it, well, it'll be a state, a state-sanctioned executioner. But if you want them dressed up as Rosalina, I mean, we can do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's gonna be, but I, well, I don't know. Nintendo might not like that. But uh, <laughs> well, this is not, you know, this it's, is it's not necessarily what you want your brand associated with, is it? Well,
0: this is not official Nintendo court. You know, this is like um, Matt Castle's. Yeah, off-brand. but if it gets
1: out that like you know, someone dressed as as a bit of Nintendo IP has been executing people, it might, it might not go down. Anyway, listen, let's, let's not jump the gun here. Mm. <laughs> We've got to find out if you're getting executed first. Yeah, true. Um, and this court finds you... not guilty. Oh, wow, I can't believe it. Oh, wow. On a score, a mighty score of 11 to 7... You are not guilty. Wow. I mean, I thought I would honestly thought that like some of those latter entries, you'd be like, well, this is horseshit. So, you know, it was there was a time when the bads overtook the goods, but you pulled it back. Mm. But there is a twist. Okay. you are found not guilty of buying bad pre-owned games. Yeah, but you are found guilty for the death of your grandpa who you (laughs) unplugged. To plug in a Wii U oh. to play Ghost Squad. Oh, shit. Little did I know I And I, I of now reveal to you this entire court operation was actually a sting to get you to admit that. Wow. It's like an episode of Black Mirror. Oh. Um. And Chewbacca, that was actually uh, the head of the Metropolitan Police in a costume. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. Yeah. What do you make of that? Uh, well, I mean, a
0: twist, like... Um you know uh worthy of the best crime authors really um how
1: how many other podcasts have a twist like that at the end yeah very Where few. one of the hosts is accused of killing a family member um yeah so
0: <laughs> that was like a whole very a very bleak running joke there um but uh <laughs> quite a funny one but um yeah just to be very clear like um There are no other people in my flat. It's just me. Um, And... uh, Yeah. Yeah, I'm
1: also not actually a judge. But then,
0: um, isn't that what someone who killed their grandpa would say? Um, (laughs) Well, well, there are no
1: longer anyone else in your flat. That's true.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm technically (laughs) correct. Um, But it's too late. I've been found guilty. I'm prepared to accept my punishment. Um, Um, Rosalina, do the duties. (laughs) 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 Oh, we did it, Matthew. Um thank you for indulging my nonsense there i hope um that was good you've got a good games collection but you need to play some of these games yeah that is the thing isn't it it's like um i blame ghost of tsushima for being so long um but um yeah i think that it was uh i've definitely gone through a phase of like hoarding nintendo games and um i don't regret it because i think my collection is relatively decent so even <laughs> though some of the ones in there are a bit odd uh i realize um and caked in mud. In, in other cases, there's um yeah there's uh there, there's stuff to love in there. And I stand by my most of my decisions, but it doesn't matter now because I'm being executed. So um, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: it's a good run. Um, you this... can play just one of these eighteen games as like your last supper. What? Which one are you going to play? <laughs> uh, I think Sly Cooper just to stick it to the judge. Um... Oh God damn it! <laughs> no, I don't know. I we think sent, we sent him to hell with a smile on his face. <laughs>
0: um i think i'd probably play um tony hawk's american skate land to see if it's any good or not and then as i kind of work that out i'll be injected by rosalina and then dead um,
1: <laughs> it's, this is where you find out it's pure six out of ten yeah and you're just like what a waste <laughs> well yeah he died as he lived playing six out of ten games um
0: <laughs> yeah so matthew that is the end of the podcast um there's uh we definitely like um made the most out of that very daft feature and i hope people enjoyed it. Um, if you hated it the, this is like this. we're only going to do this podcast once because I'm not going to keep buying like games like this and um, cataloging them on the podcast but I thought it'd be fun to talk about buying habits do you have any other thoughts Matthew that you want to people to go away uh, with
1: I, I enjoyed putting you on trial I'm not for putting more people on trial for things
0: yeah that could be a good format that we re- revisit yep so Matthew we'll return next week with another episode we already know what episode we're doing next week it's um, game developer interviews from hell is that one you're looking forward to Oh, I'm looking forward to it, because I am bad at interviews. <laughs> yeah, same. We're going to do um, some name-dropping, followed by the usual mix of self-loathing about stuff we did 14 years ago, um, so uh, <laughs> yeah, it should be a fun one. Um, but Matthew, where can people follow you on Twitter? Uh, you can follow me at Basil underscore Pesto. I'm Samuel W. Roberts on Twitter. If you want to follow the podcast, it's uh, BackpagePod on Twitter. You can also email us at BackpageGames at gmail.com. You are welcome to send us questions. You've probably noticed that we read out questions when we get sent them. Um, You can also tweet us questions too. And uh, if you'd like to leave us a review on the platform of your choice, it'd be much appreciated. We've had a lot of, like, really nice reviews on um, Apple of late. So thank you so much for people who are bothered yeah, to. Yeah, um, it's very kind. Yeah, like, it, it actually really makes a huge difference as well. Because whatever their charts are based on, it's got fucking nothing to do with downloads. Because I, like, most downloaded episodes will be really low. But then the next, like, the lowest one will be, like, really high. And I'm like, well, this just seems like a made-up chart. But I think it's actually partially yeah. based on reviews and stuff to see how engaged people are so it does help however it's not necessarily your problem so if you don't want to do it i understand but um yes thank you very much for listening and we'll be back next week
1: bye -bye. That was a good little bit of preamble there. wouldn't Yeah, you it was jolly. Yeah, cool. I, I also f- managed to eat, eat a Rennie. <laughs> That's good.
0: That's good. That's, uh, yeah. That's a Did good you user. hear me? Nope, I didn't actually. Um, <laughs> there was like a bit on Best Games of 2007 where I thought, is he eating a packet of crisps? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I assume you would, but there's a bit of rustling at some point. I don't know. Um, oh, That might have been Rennie's. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh dear. I'm gonna to have to keep this in the podcast, now, I'm afraid. It's gonna go at the end of the uh end of the MP3. Alright. Yeah, Matt Castle's very corrupt um uh, games court that's under the watch of uh, Tommy Vercetti from GTA Vice City. Um yeah, uh yeah, behave yourself or you might get beaten to death with dildos. Um that's just how things work Whoa. in this um in this justice system. Um yeah, so Matthew, um to uh, to close out. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to cut that deal. Those pics. It's very dark. <laughs> <laughs> That's so dark. Why did I say that? Like, and now I'm going to be like, oh, and follow us on on Twitter. Oh dear.
1: It's very very hard to segue from one to the other.
0: That's like an Alan Partridge kind of like, and then the co-host <laughs> looks at him like, what the fuck? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um.